everything that happens in our office is done by an interprofessional committee, and that makes the outcomes that much better. It also models for people how collaborative thinking really can lead to some amazing things. Welcome back to the Faculty Factory Podcast, everybody. I'm Kim Skorupski. On today's episode, we have Dr. Wendy Ward. Dr. Ward is the Director of Interprofessional Faculty Development, the Associate Director of Professional Wellness, a clinical psychologist, and a professor in the Department of Pediatrics at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. Again, welcome to the podcast, Wendy. I'm so glad you're here with us today. What are you going to share with us? Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk about interprofessional faculty development and my latest role at UAMS. Sounds great. Lay it on us. So I had one of the biggest opportunities in my career in 2016 to join the Office of Interprofessional Education. And that uh, term, interprofessional education, is best defined by who in 2010, who said it's really uh, designed as a curriculum where two uh, or more professional learners are learning about, from, and with each other. And it is historically applied to the trainees, so a cross-learner level, but to students who are learning to become healthcare professionals. And interprofessional education is building team-based collaborative practice skills in that next generation so that when they join the workforce, they're better prepared for the future of healthcare, which is team-based practice. Yeah. Uh, And there are a number of factors that are really pushing us in that direction toward team-based practice, one of which is economic. Uh, The MACRA is a bipartisan legislation that supports the rethinking about how healthcare professionals are getting paid, not just how it is currently um, being paid by, uh, I see a patient for X number of minutes, then Y level of complexity, and I'm paid for that, but really being paid on our outcomes. And when we start having a, a change in framework of how we are going to pay our healthcare professionals toward outcomes, we start looking at what gives us better outcomes. Mm-hmm. And team-based care really improves outcomes across the entire quadruple aim. So if you haven't heard of that concept, the Institute for Healthcare Improvement came up with the first title, Triple Aim, and then later upgraded to the Quadruple Aim. And it's really the driving force for healthcare reform. It's the mission that all academic health centers and other training institutions should have for promoting better healthcare. Wendy, what are the those, first, what is a Quadruple Aim? The first uh, aim is improving patient outcomes, and that includes patient safety and reducing medical errors. It includes patient health outcomes, both preventatively and in treatment, and it includes a high degree of patient satisfaction with their care. So all three combined, that's the first aim. The second aim is doing all of that at reduced cost. And the reason why we need to do that is our healthcare system here in the U.S. has a very high cost but does not have high outcomes compared with other countries. So we really need to be more effective and efficient cost-efficient, in the provision of our care. So that's the second aim. The third aim is improving population health. And this is also sort of a transformational thought process for our healthcare system because we no longer care just about the patients who are coming in 
the doors and being seen by our providers, but we really care about the patient population that we serve. And so uh, for my institution, we serve our state and in some ways our region uh, in their health care. And the state of Arkansas is really struggling in a lot of public health uh, arenas. And so institutions are now needing to start thinking about what kinds of public directed interventions and prevention strategies can we utilize to improve the health of our stakeholders. And all institutions across the nation are starting to think this way. The fourth aim is really in recognition of the increasing burnout and stress in our workforce, our healthcare professional workforce. And it's to improve provider satisfaction and reduce provider stress. Um, Other terms that are sometimes used, improve provider wellness and reduce burnout. Mm -hmm. All that to say, interprofessional education and team-based collaborative practice is designed to move forward all four of those aims. Mm -hmm. Uh, And for that reason, interprofessional education has become uh, a movement in synergy with the collaborative practice movement in our healthcare system. So really trying to build a workforce that can effectively practice well together. So let me take that to the next level. Our office started building programs. We actually have a very uh, robust student-based curriculum with over 26 hours of curriculum spread across training the, the training cycle. So some when students are novice level, some when they're at intermediate, and then some just prior to graduation to really try and have a progressive development of team-based skills. Uh, So a very robust model. But what we didn't have before I joined the office was a real strategic focus on faculty and clinical staff. Mm -hmm. And so my job was to come in and to complement that student curriculum in three ways. The first, and, and really was my um, initial charge uh, by the provost and others, was to, to, to really inform and begin the change process in the culture of our existing workforce, to start thinking about clinical transformation as an opportunity to improve healthcare rather than as a burden, mm-hmm. uh, because change is hard, <laughs> uh, but also to show them the link with the quadruple aim and with adding team members and changing the clinic flow to accommodate those team members. Yeah. So, and so instead of thinking of it as slowing down um, the work process, it's really improving the work outcomes. Wow. So uh, myself and a team, an uh, interprofessional committee, designed a one-hour Grand Rounds-like uh, activity that we then co-presented to every faculty group in our entire institution on multiple campuses. And now is in an online module available for new hires. So it's a one-hour grand rounds presentation. Can you tell us what what content you're delivering in that one hour? Absolutely. So this interprofessional committee uh, collaboratively designed that one hour, and there are three components. It's really important to think about all three if you're trying to institute a widespread cultural change. The first is really to talk about the socioeconomic factors that are moving us toward team-based care and how it improves patient outcomes. This is something that our clinical faculty are very passionate about. 
and really engages them in understanding how ITE and IPCP, interprofessional collaborative practice, really work hand in hand. The second uh, module, if you will, within this Grand Rounds was talking to our educators and really talking about the accreditation requirements across multiple different professions, incorporating the IPE and why that was seen as so valuable as driving um, the best practices in education, active learning across professional lines together, learning together um, to build those team-based skills. Uh, and that really spoke to those that were very passionate about best practices in teaching. Mm -hmm. And then the third, and this is perhaps um, unusual, but we thought was uh, incredibly important for that widespread cultural change, was to talk about collaboration in the science world. And so we talked about NIH and cancer.gov and some of the incentivizing that they've been doing with um, grants and trainings that, that were really promoting evidence-based team, team science. Yeah. And you're more likely to get funded the more robust the interdisciplinary nature of your um, grant collaborators are. Mm -hmm. And you're better able to more widely disseminate new knowledge with that broader disciplinary collaboration. Yeah. You know, oh, and then we had an opportunity for questions at the end because there are many. Yeah. This is a new concept. Exactly. I mean, I just, I just can't help. This is just so exciting, and it makes so much sense. And it just everything's aligned perfectly, of course, with reducing cost and improving patient outcomes, and and the bigger scope of you know, as you mentioned for us, improving population health. But that that last you know of the quadruple aims of burnout, improving provider satisfaction. I'm thinking that you must get quite a bit of pushback from some faculty or practitioners who say, yeah, this sounds great, and uh, yes, it makes sense, and I understand theoretically why we would do this, but operationally, how do, you know, do you have that kind of, the eyebrows kind of raised going, how in the world are we going to get all these, you know, kittens in the box and everybody in the same <laughs> in the same place? And I, I operationally, I'm just, I'm just amazed that you're doing this and obviously pulling it off. How do you counter or you know drag people back from the edge of the cliff when they start panicking of how can I do this? It's impossible. How am I going to get team members together? And how are we all going to do this? What do you tell them? Yeah, so we build trainings to help them do exactly that. So when people bring us those questions, we have workshops and one-on-one -on -one consultation to help them make those changes. For instance, we have a workshop that is how do you uh, plan for and add a new member to your team? So there's a whole analysis of your clinical flow. There's even identifying which team member you need because you may not be aware of the finer tuned nuances between different professions, PT versus OT, um, PA versus APRN, or in the behavioral health world, psychiatry, psychology, master's level counselors of various degrees and social work. So there's a place in that to build a business plan. You leave that workshop with a business plan to give to your um, service line leader or your department head that says, this is who I need. These are the targeted outcomes I think they will help with. So tying it into those quadruple aim points. And then this is uh, how we're going to change our workflow to accommodate for that person. Oh my gosh, Wendy, so, that's amazing that you've incorporated the, it sounds like it's a 
talk about even planning this and designing this, the interprofessional, the, the getting the HR and all the different uh, players sitting down going, wait a minute, we didn't think about, we also need this or that. Just the, the business sense of that, that is just, I'm just thinking of all the pieces and parts that would come together, you know, in my narrow mind of putting faculty development offerings together, you've just kind of blown this up to a whole, a bigger universe because you're not just looking at uh, the the traditional players who are in the room or in the hallway. You've reached out to, like you said, business. And I imagine there's HR and then all the other, the field. So getting advice from them on how to put a business plan, that's just amazing to me. That you can actually well, give a workshop to, it's like putting, you are like putting a business together. You're going to come in with a, pro, help them with a proposal to figure out or, or I think almost like building a house. This looks like a great house, but have you thought about adding a sunroom back there? Oh my gosh, that's really going to help the flow or redesign this. I mean, this is taking this to a whole new level. I mean, this is amazing. Well, I appreciate the positive feedback. I, I will underscore that everything that happens in our office is done by an interprofessional committee, and that makes the outcomes that much better. It also models for people how collaborative thinking yeah. really can lead to some amazing things. I will say my personal background is building teams and integrating behavioral health uh, across a healthcare system. So uh, my early years were doing this kind of work. It was fairly easy for me to think about what are all the factors that you need in order to build um, this particular workshop. And then I gained that additional insight from my collaborators. And uh, I'm really passionate about that particular workshop. I think um, it does a really nice job of getting um, really in the nitty gritty of how do you do this. However, it is not the only thing that our office does. So in addition to that one, we built a workshop and it was in a workshop format initially that was how do you take a team that isn't functioning as well as you'd like and change it. And that really gets to the crux of um, wellness because there's a lot of team efficiency, team effectiveness, um, sources of stress, uh, and maybe missed opportunity for team-based support um, and that enhanced satisfaction you get from a well-oiled team machine doing great work together. And so uh, the problem with that workshop is we really wanted multiple team members to come, maybe not all, but multiple. It was very difficult to pull three or four team members off of clinic to yeah. come to a half day. That's what I'm saying. So we re-envisioned that workshop. And now we do one-on-one consultation. So I'll go meet with the team at a time that they normally meet together. We'll have a conversation about the strengths and weaknesses of the team, and then I'll do some strategic observations, and then we build together from those observations and their own insights about their team uh, points of intervention uh, and engage in what might be considered a series of quality improvement projects Mm. to try and improve. And sometimes it's adding a team member and we pull in some of that work from the other workshops. And sometimes it's just changing flow or changing communication strategies um, if our target is um, a particular medical error or, or um, uh, uh, risk that comes post-surgery, let's say, then it might be thinking about um, what are the communication gaps that might be leading to that problem. Uh, if we're trying to target patient satisfaction, we might engage in um, changing how the team is working together and the flow of the visit to improve and more and better meet 
what the expectations the patients have. Anyway, wow. each team is different and the yeah. change um, points are different, uh, but it does provide folks a resource for help in that change process. Once we yeah. had that grand round to talk about why it's important yeah. um, and we're getting that pushback, we now have these two workshops or, or individual consultation that can really help move that along. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. I, I just can't so, believe that that is just so, so cool that you, you meet people where they are and you're doing these consultations to actually, that's an easy sell. I mean, versus putting the, the traditional way of, you know, when we try to bring people to us for a seminar or a workshop or a program, and then we kind of put the onus on them to how to then actually go and apply it. This is just brilliant in the fact that, listen, we're going to make this even easier. We're coming to you. Uh, we're going to do these strategic observations, as you put it. That that's I'd love to learn more about that. But the goal is, no, we're going to come and watch you. And I loved, I loved your terminology, the well-oiled team machine. That is, talk mm-hmm. about faculty development, like on demand. That is amazing. It's like the, the Uber Eats of faculty development. You don't even have to, you know, get out, of, keep your pajamas or your sweatpants on. We're going to come right to you and deliver this right on the spot <laughs> to you. I love it. Well, thank you. I, I, I think it has been a really powerful tool to add to our um, office's toolbox to try and help. Uh, with this clinical transformation. There are a couple other uh, tools that I'd like to share as well. Please. One is this quality improvement process that we were doing with the current workforce um, and something sort of parallel and in a novice way, QI training that we were doing in the IP student curriculum sort of got the attention of our residency directors. And four of them uh, approached me and said, could you build a QAI program that meets residency accreditation requirements um, and works toward the quadruple aim? And my response was, absolutely, that's right in line with the work that I'm doing with our current workforce. However, as you know, we don't provide events that are just for one profession. Let's build it for all advanced learners. So advanced practice uh, APRNs, um, DMPs, uh, each profession, we have 72 at my institution, each profession has an advanced learner, if it's a master's level or a doctoral level or a whatever they call it, a resident or a fellow, mm-hmm. whatever they call it, we built um, interprofessional teams around a problem. So it could be um, in surgery, mm-hmm. they have two different kinds of mesh available in our institution has historically used one. Another one has low-risk profiles and is much less expensive. They wanted to switch and get everyone to move. And so how do you build a QI program around that and then track outcomes? We have others that are meeting other targets on the quadruple aim, but here's the important part. In such an atmosphere of stress and burnout, we have a whole list of one, two, or three item tools that they can use to track pre and post PDSA cycle, um, plan, do, um, see, and act. Uh, These tools can be used alongside patient outcomes, patient satisfaction, reducing costs, those kinds of targets. And so we weave in this conversation of when we're making changes, we expect um, improve team care or these interventions, we expect that to reduce stress. 
And if it doesn't, then we need to rethink what we're doing and do another PDSA cycle to make sure that that stress goes down. So it's really weaving in a, def, uh, a number of different con- concepts that are yeah. highly motivating for our, for our um, faculty. Wow. Uh, so when we built these QI teams, mm-hmm. we have two faculty facilitators and six to eight um, interprofessional advanced learners. What's nice about that is you can practice your team skills mm-hmm. uh, in that environment. So it's a learning environment, but you also make real changes in the real world. The other thing that has been really um, exciting is that those two faculty um, facilitators for each of the teams can bank the QI project if they're a physician for um, boards that require QIs, uh, or they can bank it for promotion, um, so end-of-the-year evals or promotion packets. And so we have a lot of buy-in with our current workforce in helping the residents and other advanced learners engage in these QI teams so much so that we, we have teams on our pediatrics campus, on our main campus, on uh, satellite campuses, but we also have now um, got some residencies at another institution that we're collaborating with. So we've got QI teams there. And um, one of our mentors left to go to Texas. And so he's building a parallel program at his institution. Uh, And we've got a combined conference in April with all those learners together. Do you keep an archive of these QI projects, some kind of repository where people can say, like the example you gave in surgery, well, we could implement that over in cardiology. Um, that Let me just go consult with these faculty leaders and see how they did it. Maybe it's like a, a train-the-trainer kind of a thing that those QI teams can then, they themselves go and say, this is what we had, here was our problem, this is what we did. And it looks like you got a similar thing. You might want to just make a couple tweaks. I, I imagine this kind of is almost viral that people get excited about, they did that. How come we can't do that? Do you keep a central location where people, or do you somehow promote or advertise these projects so that others can learn about it and, and kind of short circuit some of the hard work and kind of get to the end and fix things quickly? So absolutely. That's one of the purposes for our conference. We bring hospital leaders, residency directors, and other training directors, um, and then also just sort of open um, to anyone so that people can come and learn about what's been happening that year at our conference. And then our plan is to house all the posters on our website. Uh, This is a fairly new program we piloted last year, and it is going gangbusters this year. And when you said it seems like it's going viral, it really is. It's so exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, so as as we have more and more projects, I think we'll have to build a place where they go. Yeah. Um, our institution likes all QI, regardless of who's doing it on a certain website. Um, and that's helpful in terms of searching anything that's been done. Um, but there may be a reason to have just our project somewhere that can be accessible and replicable across um, institutions or across other departments yeah. or clinical groups. Uh, wow. Super exciting to be working in the office that I'm in. I can't tell you. No kidding. Um, Talk about real change and real real impact for faculty. I, I love that you've embedded that the win for faculty that it's not just another thing that they have to do, but that they can help with the promotion. Um, you know, it's actually going to advance their career or get their CME or other credits. So that's a, you know, you can't lose on that. It's not, it's sometimes it's hard to make that case for, well, it's, it's learning and you're going to just self-knowledge. It's good for your, you know, thought processes or leadership development, but 
yes, and these these skills, this training, this work is actually um, actually moves the ball down the, the field in terms of they're actually checking some things off the list. So I think that's brilliant the way you embedded that as a as a win. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I think um, I think that means that everyone's got a stake in the success of the QI project, and that means everyone's pulling together. There are a couple other things I would love to share. Please. Uh, one, one is we have a live one-hour noontime seminar that we give, and we rotate different topics, but they're all interprofessional-based. So interprofessional care of the dying patient, interprofessional um, behavioral health care in primary care, um, interprofessional ethics, those kinds of things. And we've done um, five or six uh, professional wellness that are designed to look at not just individual levels of resilience, but team level resilience um, and get at that team process kind of helpful piece uh, that uh, I think sometimes gets missed in the national conversation. Yeah. Uh, so these live ones, there's a group of people who can and do come regularly. But most people struggle to end what they're doing, come over for the learning, and then go back. So they're all translated in a partnership with our Institute of Digital Health Innovation, translated into online modules. And they're, they're advertised to two different groups currently. One is throughout our state, UAMS and non-UAMS clinicians who need CEs. Our institution has the interprofessional continuing education credit uh, available. And so that meets not quite all, but most professionals uh, CE requirements. Mm -hmm. So they see us as a free CE resource. The modules are online for free. Um, The process is quick and easy. uh, And we are giving them content that prepares them for the future of healthcare, which is team-based care. So uh, those online modules are targeted to this external group that may or may not have anything to do with UAMS, but is looking for those educational opportunities. In addition, we uh, advertise them in-house to the clinical staff that could not possibly get off for a noontime lecture, right? Think about a floor nurse. There's no way they're going to be able to do that, but they can watch the CE module for free later. And again, preparing our in-house workforce for this clinical transformation, whether they've yet been touched by any of our other events or not. Mm. And there is a, a, a large group of people that watch those modules. They are, in fact, on the web and available for free. So anyone who's listening wants to go and check them out. If you go to the IDHI's website and then click on the LOD logo, you'll pull up all of them. They are grant-funded to do multiple different seminars. We are just one little drop in the bucket. But if you search for IP or interprofessional education, you'll see ours. We've been doing it for a couple of years. Um, They live there for three years. And then we have the opportunity to redo them if we think that content is still relevant and needed, or we can do um, new ones. So we're doing um, cutting edge topics in the faculty development world, like culinary medicine or culinary healthcare, and how each of us need to be informed about that process, um, leadership skill development, and how leadership skills cut across um, multiple different professions. So we're looking for those concepts that are important for a large group of stakeholders and we put them into our events and make sure that the audiences are interprofessional. So they're truly doing IPE 
as the students do, two or more learners engaging together in active learning, learning about, from, and with each other. Right. Tell us again the name of the, you said four letters, where on the web people can find these free, uh, what did you say? You said it pretty fast. I want to make sure we, they got it. Sure. UAMS's Institute for Digital Health Innovation website, so IDHI. So if you put in UAMS and IDHI, should go right to it, honestly. Um, and then on that front page, there's LOD in a picture. Okay. Click on it. It's okay. a black and white logo. Click on it, and that will bring up the multitude of modules and then our specific IPE ones you can search for. Okay, super cool. Awesome, Wendy. This is great stuff. So much, so much, so much. So and so innovative. I love it. One last um, event that I would highlight, uh, hoping that those who are listening think about doing something like this in their neck of the woods, um, because we found it to be really powerful. We built a professional wellness workshop that is interprofessional. So we sit um, the faculty near people they don't know. Um, We've invited clinical staff. We now um, have parallel uh, for advanced learners and residents and fellows have parallel events for them, but we sit them interprofessionally. And then we talk about the SAMHSA wellness wheel, the eight different areas of wellness, um, the domains that you need to be self-aware of and also do um, your own SMART goals uh, to try and uh, benefit yourself. Uh, But we do this in small group discussion. And when we're talking about sources of stress, and you have a group of people who come from different professions, the conversation starts out as, well, I have the most stress here because, Mm. but the conversation ends as, wow, we all have a lot of sources of stress. I can't believe it. We need to do something. And so there's, um, there's this uh, debunking of stereotypes of who has the most or the least stress. And there's, um, empathy building that happens in this, in addition to, on the individual level, resiliency skill building. Wow. So it's a super fun workshop. Um, It's a half a day. There are many TED Talks from different experts in different areas of professional wellness. And then we do an active learning something after each TED Talk that relates to that talk. So financial wellness, then they have um, an active learning. Emotional wellness, they do a mindfulness exercise. Anyway, Um, And at the end, they do some smart goals that they can take with them. And they have a toolkit with copies of the TED Talks, which are all on video, and a number of resources for them to help build their own resiliency skills or to start changing their, on the team level, how their teams are functioning and build better teams. Jeez. Wow. So. (laughs) Amazing. I'm just. I'm just so excited to have had the opportunity to share some of the work that my colleagues and I have been doing and the hopes that uh, others want to do similar work and um, can, can have similar benefits at their institutions. Yeah. Yeah. This is, um, this is just incredible. I just very impressed with the, how comprehensive uh, all this work is and how you truly done interprofessional work from beginning to end and how you've, woven in all the elements and you were definitely a high uh great strategic skills because this took a lot of strategy well again i'm working with great partners not just my collaborative faculty development team but there is another director in the office um she's a clinical pharmacist kat neal she and i engage in strategic planning 
her with the focus on the student curriculum and me with the focus on faculty and clinical staff. And we work for a provost that's visionary as well. See? Wow. Win, win, win. You've got a lot going on there, Wendy. You are really uh, gangbusters, and it's a shame you're not excited by any of it. (laughs) (laughs) I am very, very, very passionate about what I do, and I'm so fortunate to have roles where I can engage in my passion. Not everyone has that opportunity. I'm so grateful. Aren't you? I know. I, I, I share that with you, sister, for sure. Well, Wendy, this has been wonderful, folks. You have had the distinct pleasure of learning from Dr. Wendy Ward, the Director of Interprofessional Faculty Development, Associate Director of Professional Wellness, and Professor, Clinical Psychologist in the Department of Pediatrics at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. Thank you so much, Dr. Ward. You have been wonderful. And I, um, till next time, I guess, everybody, one day you want to say, uh, say goodbye and like lead us out of here. <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone. Um, I had uh, an enjoyable time talking with you and look forward to meeting more of you along the way. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. The mission of the Faculty Factory is to build and support a community of leaders in faculty development who share tools, resources, wisdom, and encouragement in service to our faculty members, schools, and institutions. We encourage you to go to facultyfactory.org to find out more, get in touch with me, ask me any questions. Maybe you want to be interviewed on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. We'll see you next time. The Faculty Factory Podcast and website is sponsored by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine Office of Faculty. For more information, visit facultyfactory.org.